Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 126 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a wonderful start to your day. It is uh, just me today for today's podcast session. And today's topic is actually one that uh, actually for a long time, I struggled whether to have an episode on this, but I was encouraged by many of you guys. I actually did a recent survey in the Selling the Couch community around niching. And so many of you guys, actually, I did a quick poll and I think 103 people out of 107 responses said that they were struggling with finding a niche and niching. And today's podcast is actually just an honest conversation, just some tips and things that I've kind of picked up along the way when it comes to finding a niche and just honest conversation more than anything with just my struggle with finding a niche. I'm just going to warn you ahead. This topic, I think in many ways, it feels a little bit raw to me still. So if I get a little emotional, it's just because it's been hard for sure trying to figure out a niche for private practice and all of those things. Well, as you guys may know, I made the decision to jump back into private practice this year. Actually, the plan was actually to jump in a few years ago, but I launched Selling the Couch in 2015 and we grew quite a bit and I just didn't want to dedicate the time and energy into growing two different businesses. I just felt like that was a recipe for burnout and I could just couldn't invest time and energy that I needed into into each of them. So, but uh, yeah, I made the decision to jump back into private practice this year and if I'm honest with myself, I've always had two big fears with my career. One is I've really struggled with how do I manage a growing selling the couch and healthcasters community and private practice while building all of this around my family and around self-care and all of those things. And the second big fear that I had was who do I serve in private practice? As I mentioned, it's been a painful few months sorting through this. I've lost quite a bit of sleep. Usually when things are bothering me and I'm trying to figure this out, sleep is one of the first things that gets disrupted and uh, my appetite has also gotten a little bit disrupted, but I'm okay now. I've definitely shed quite a few tears. I just, I don't know how to describe it, you know, like with selling the couch, like I love serving you and I imagine continuing to do this for a very long time. And 
And with private practice, I just from selling the couch, one of the things that I've learned is that the process of being an entrepreneur and building anything online is not easy. No matter what, sometimes you can find online, right? I feel like I know for me, when I log on to social media, it's almost like a highlight reel of all the awesome things folks are doing. And then I just feel like, man, they're doing such amazing things. Why can't I do those things? Right. But one, I think is just a reminder that those are just slivers of people's lives, right? That's not their whole life. And today, I just, like I said, I just wanted to share some thoughts around finding a niche and sort of how I decided on the niche that I selected. I always struggle with episodes like this. Uh, This is totally my stuff because, well, one is I'm not a private practice coach. I don't consider myself one. I have no plans to be a private practice coach. Um, I'm just like each one of you guys. I'm, I'm building and struggling and trying to figure out this world of being a business owner and all of those things. So I'm definitely coming from that perspective. The second thing I just wanted to share was that I think I just, I've always struggled with how to share this. So definitely not coming from that perspective. The other thing I did want to share is, so if you've heard other episodes of the Selling the Couch podcast with private practitioners specifically, you'll notice that some practitioners focus on a diagnosis or a condition or a presenting concern, right? So I'm going to group all of those into one. So diagnosis, condition, or presenting concern. So examples might be anxiety or body image. Other clinicians focus on a population. So they're, they just work with couples, for example, or they work with couples in high distress. Others focus on a training, right? So they go get trained in something like EMDR, and then they only work with clients in that modality. And then others do some kind of a hybrid, right? So for example, you might have training in motion focused therapy, and you work with millennial couples. And that's sort of, you know, so you've now combined a training with a population. Now, when as I've done these interviews, and as I've confronted with this and realizing, you know, there are definitely different options and different ways to slice this thing, you would think that I would feel great and encouraged. And I definitely felt those things. But more than anything, I just felt scared and panicked. And like, what do I do with this? Right. And part of my struggle was that I discovered two niches that I could see myself building an entire private practice and career around, right? In addition to selling the couch, selling the couch will always be my first love. So the two niches were working with entrepreneurs, right? Working with entrepreneurs and startups. And the second niche was working more in sports psych with basketball players. Now, let me give you a kind of a background of why I narrowed it down and selected those So basketball players, I have a little bit of background in sports psych, but basketball, um, as you guys may know, my family immigrated to the U.S. just after I had finished the first grade. And I started playing basketball, I would say probably third or fourth grade. And there was just something about the game that I love. If you guys follow me on the Facebook community, sometimes I'll make posts about basketball, but In a typical week, I still play probably two times a week, one to two times a week, full court basketball pickup games, two hours each time I'm running up and down. I just love the game. And I think for me, basketball for 
was the way that I found acceptance, you know, being a new immigrant in this country, not speaking the language. And basketball combined my love of psychology with a sport that I love, right? I have no aspirations to the NBA. I'm in my mid-30s, a 5'10 Indian dude. I am, you know, my, I have my aspirations in check, but I love that I, it combines these two loves that I have, psychology and basketball. The other passion and love that I have is entrepreneurship, start working with startups and in more specifically and evolving, I think in some ways, but this idea of leadership and entrepreneurship and what does that look like? So basically the intersection of psychology, entrepreneurship and leadership. Why I feel passionate about that is I have lived and I continue to live the life of an entrepreneur day after day with selling the couch, right? I've launched a podcast. I've launched a blog that's gone from 30 some odd visitors in our first couple of months to now over 7,000 in any given month. You know, I've launched a course that's done really well. I've launched a community. Now I'm about to launch a membership site. So I know and I live the life of an entrepreneur day to day, the ups and downs, the insecurities, the fears, all of those things. And so for a long time, actually, it's and to be completely honest, if you guys were in the Facebook community, a couple of months ago, I actually posted my business card that I had created on Moo. And on it, it said my name, and then it said basketball players and entrepreneurs. And to be honest, I was really conflicted about posting it. One, just the vulnerability aspect. But two, one of the things that I've learned with selling the couch is that it's much better to go really deep into one topic than to go really broad and try to cover a bunch of different topics, right? So with selling the couch, for example, the blog is not just for all healthcare providers. It's not just for all mental health providers. It's actually for mental health providers who want to be in private practice, right? And who want to think outside the box of what it means to be a private practitioner, both inside and outside of the therapy room, right? So I had that kind of background. And so when I posted that business card, to be honest, I was really conflicted. I was like, man, this looks like it's two different niches. How do you explain this? And even from a consumer perspective, you're looking at a website, right? You're like, wait, this guy works with basketball players and entrepreneurs? That That's kind of confusing, right? And I think in my heart of hearts, I knew that I would have to pick one or the other, at least in this season of life, if I wanted to go anywhere with this. And so I decided after actually a long struggle to focus on working with entrepreneurs. And I guess that's the end of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, today's episode, I just wanted to actually share my thought process around what helped me to identify my niche. And I'm hoping that that it, it gives you some encouragement, especially if you're struggling with finding a niche, if you've thought about expanding, and or even if you're a generalist and you're thinking about honing into a specific population. So before I focused on either one of these niches, what I did was I took a step back and I spent a lot of time asking the question of what do I want with my life and with my career? I know a big question ask, not exactly a question that you can answer in 30 minutes, but uh, actually I kept asking this question and this is going to sound really silly, but one of the things that I did 
several times was just to take lots of walks because I knew that sitting in front of a paper or sitting in front of a laptop was not going to give me the clarity that I needed. And then as I was taking these walks, I would let that question kind of simmer in my mind. What is it that I want for my life? What is it that I want for my career? Like what is, I guess for me, what is the good career? What is the good life, right? And I came up with a couple of different things I just wanted to share with you. The first is that I want to build a career around my family. I don't want my family to be an afterthought in my career. That felt really important to me because I knew that I love the work that I do. I feel like I'm just so grateful because my parents gave me a strong work ethic and I love working, but I have to be really careful because the whole, all of this work and all of this stuff is not really worth it if it comes at the expense of time away from, you know, like long periods of time away from loved ones, right? The second thing is I knew that I wanted my career to be what I do, not who I am, no matter how much I love it. So again, I wanted my career to be what I do, not who I am, no matter how much I love it. So this one is actually a little tough for me to admit. Like I love the things I do with the blog. I love all of these things. And even on the, you know, when I get emails and stuff, there's always this part of me. I'm like, just really nice emails. And I'm just like, there's always this like ego part of me, right? And and I'm like working really hard to kind of hold this in check, which is, I was always like, yeah, Melvin, you did that, you know? But the truth is, you know, I don't know, all of this has happened just because I just try to help, right? And I always have to, I think, hold my ego in check, right? And so part of it is, I, my roles are far beyond what my career is, right? Like I'm a husband, I'm an uncle, like I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm in, you know, uh, my Christian faith is something that's really important to me. So I'm a Christian, like all of those things are much bigger parts of my identity, right? Than just a career. The third thing is I wanted location freedom or location independence. I do my best work, at the park, for example, like I will sometimes go and find a picnic table at a local park, use my iPhone to get a hotspot, and I work from my laptop, right? I Other times I work at a coffee shop or at the library. Other times I work from home. I just want to have that freedom to work from anywhere that I want. The fourth thing is I want to build a business that's focused on service. So I've always been drawn. I just never knew the term for this. Actually, I didn't know the term existed, but uh, this term of social entrepreneurship. So being an entrepreneur, not just to create income and not just to have all of this influence and power, but to use that income and that influence and power to better the world, to stand up for social justice issues and things like that. And two of the things that are very important to me are the ending of human trafficking, and being able to provide children who otherwise wouldn't have a quality education the means to be able to have that education. And at some point, I'll share sort of why I picked those, or why that's, those two are important. But yeah, I mentioned it in the Facebook group and sometimes in the, in the blog, but I work in, when I was still in grad school, over the holiday break, I had the chance to go into Bombay, India and work with the non-governmental organization for three weeks. 
and they worked in Kamatipura, which is the largest concentrated red light district in the world. And I worked with social workers who were working with these sex workers, and I went into brothels, and there's just some of the things that I saw, and both just extreme misery and powerlessness, but also the extreme hope, because I also got to spend several weeks at a school uh, several hours away where the children of these commercial sex workers were given an education so that they could end this cycle. And so that intersection has always been very important to me. And I knew that as Selling the Couch has grown, as my career has evolved, I wanted to do something more with that, which stay tuned because guys <laughs> got some stuff coming up. So those are kind of things that are important. That's kind of, I guess, the first layer. The second layer is what I call buckets, right? So I knew that in terms of a career, I wanted to put my career into a couple of different buckets. I wanted what I call the counseling, coaching, consulting bucket. The second bucket is the teaching bucket. So I want to do things like webinars, uh, which I'm doing now, but want to continue to do those. One of my dreams actually is to do more talks and things at conferences. And so I want to kind of expand into that. I also want to do a lot of stuff around continuing with the podcast. I love broadcasting and being able to do these podcast episodes for you guys. So that's sort of in the teaching bucket. The next bucket is the creating bucket, which is courses and membership sites. Those are things that I'm really interested in. The technology, launching them, all of those things. The next bucket is the writing bucket. So I definitely want to start blogging more, writing more. And I feel like I have one book inside of me and I don't know what it is yet, but I'd love to write a book at some point. And then the last one is the serving bucket. So again, what I talked about is using my time and my energy and income and influence to be able to impact the world in positive ways. Now, I like to think of it in buckets because the benefit is that it gives a lot of variety in one's career while also creating multiple income channels so that you're not relying on one sort of bucket as a way of creating income. I've mentioned this before, but I had an old supervisor while I was on internship who used to tell me, Melvin, always remember to have your hand in multiple pots when it comes to income streams. And I've tried to take that to heart because, you know, having before I launched STC, I was in a group practice and I dealt with all of the challenges of seeing clients individually, right? Can't the cancellations and no-shows and all of those. And I knew that as my career evolved, that's just not something I want to do what I can to minimize those kind of things because I'm a better clinician if I'm not always worried about finances and all of those other things. So two layers. And then this next bit is how I sort of distinguished, right? Between entrepreneurship and basketball players. So the first one is I ask myself, are other clinicians seeing this population and are they having success with it, right? So are there others who see entrepreneurs? Are there others who see executives, uh, startups, and what are they doing? How are they doing it? And how are they having success? So definitely have looked in online communities. I have looked on online profiles and seeing the folks who work with executives and entrepreneurs and how they're doing it and what they're doing. One of the things that I've been very just 
fortunate, and I may be reaching out to some of you guys if you do work with entrepreneurs, but I've just been very fortunate to have just honest conversations. People have taken time out of their day to have these conversations about what's working for them in their private practices. So that was the first thing. Are other clinicians having seen the population or are they having success with it? That's a good barometer because just because you feel passionate about a population, right, you have to make sure that there's actual demand for it. Which actually brings me to my second point, which is, I hope this doesn't sound harsh, but passion is not enough, right? The real challenge is, is there public demand? And then the other question I was really asking myself is, can I build an authority site around the intersection of either psychology and basketball or psychology and entrepreneurship, right? So how did I figure out if there's public demand? I looked in meetup groups, for example. So if you go on meetup.com, I searched for words like startups and entrepreneurs, and Philly happens to have a lot of entrepreneur groups. I looked at local organizations that support entrepreneurs. So we have a lot of co-working spaces here in Philly where a lot of entrepreneurs hang out. We have quite a few universities here in the Philadelphia area. Several of them have what are called incubators. So these are think tanks for entrepreneurs within the university. So these are usually housed in business schools, and they're just a space and a platform where aspiring and current entrepreneurs and startups can get funding and can get all sorts of different things, right? So... The next thing I also asked is, are there conferences for entrepreneurs, right? So this is an idea of like, are people actually willing to pay to to attend training and get training? And is this kind of a real struggle, right? So I actually, when I thought about conferences, I had kind of two purposes. Uh, One is I thought a lot about the conferences that I tend to go to outside of the psychology space, right? And they tend to be more like podcasting conferences, marketing conferences, those kind of things, right? And so I knew that I knew that if there's enough demand, there's people attending these conferences. But I also thought that if I end up speaking at these conferences, that's a wonderful opportunity as well, right? Because it means that I could kind of kill two birds with one stone idea, right? So I could go to topic or I could go to conferences I feel passionate about while being able to do one of the things that I want to do more of, which is teaching. You know, I also looked a lot online, and what I noticed is that a lot of these bigger entrepreneurs, especially ones that have courses and things like that, one of the features they always have is what's called like a mindset coach. And so these are folks that help entrepreneurs work through the sort of roadblocks that come with entrepreneurship, right? Is my idea a good one? There's always people doing it, feeling like an imposter, feeling like always being scared to fail, and that's fear of failure stopping you from taking action, right? So I knew there were folks, in just my discovery, I discovered that there were folks doing this. And I know this sounds really like complex, but it's simply, it's actually just a simple Google search. So for example, with entrepreneurs, and you can do this with any niche you're talking about, but if you do like entrepreneurs and then comma and then group and then the word groups or entrepreneurs, comma, forums, you can find conversations that people are having and that can kind of give you an idea of the things that they're struggling with and also if there's actual conversations happening around that niche. 
And then the last two things I looked at was, are there books being written on entrepreneurship? Are there books written on behavioral psychology, the intersection of business and entrepreneurship, those kind of things? And then the last thing is, are there podcasts on entrepreneurship? And I checked off actually all of those things that I mentioned. I did discover that there were existing things for, for actually for basketball players and for entrepreneurs. The third thing is, can I provide a variety of products and services to this population? Again, going back, can I write a book? Can I teach a little bit? Can I give talks? Can I write all of those things? Can I do coaching around this? Can I consult on this? Can I even work with entrepreneurs in a counseling, you know, one-on-one or even in a group context? All of those things. Can I do retreats for entrepreneurs? That's something that I've thought a lot about as well. Number four is this scalable, is working with this population scalable. Scalability is something that I actually didn't know much about a few years ago, but it's something that I think a lot about now with Selling the Couch, which is, I know that many of us struggle with this, which is we have like 50 to 100 different ideas of things we want to do. And one of the things that I'm learning, and I actually learned this in a in a recent book that I was reading about Apple. And in the book, they said, you know, Steve Jobs, when he was, you know, at the time, I believe the iPod was presented, he was also presented with over, I think, 300 different ideas. And part of the biggest thing of being an entrepreneur is learning to say no, right? And picking the one idea that is has the biggest impact and that's scalable. So scalable basically means is that can I diversify and can I create something, right? Like a course, for example, which it takes hard work on the front end, takes a little bit of time to maintain and all of those things. But by creating the course, right, then it doesn't matter the number of buyers because the product is still the same. So you're actually, over time, you're actually generating more income with the course, right? So the same thing for like something like group, right? That's something that's highly scalable. My goal, I think, and this is hard for me to admit because there are definitely seasons where I'll just be like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I should just go do that. Or, oh, oh, wait, wait, let me pause that and I should go do this, right? But my goal is to do My goal is actually not to do more, but less. It's to thoughtfully pick the few things that I can scale and say no to everything else so that I can say yes to the things that equally matter in my life, my family, and getting to spend time with friends and getting to play basketball and all of these things. So again, quick review. Uh, Number one is, are other clinicians seeing this population and having success? Number two is, passion is not enough. Is there a public demand for this? Can I build an authority site around this content? Number three is, can I provide a variety of products and services to this population? Number four is, is this scalable? And number five is, can I serve this population via the medium of online counseling? My goal is actually to build a 100% online practice. This is actually just from a practical perspective, because as I do more, more and more things with selling the couch, working now on the learning library as HealthCasters continues to grow out, I want to be really thoughtful with my time, right? And that time on commuting and stuff, I want to minimize or completely eliminate that if I can, unless I'm choosing to go somewhere. So I thought a lot about, is this population, can entrepreneurs 
Are they in the medium? Can they work in the medium of online counseling? And the answer to that was yes, because a lot of times entrepreneurs are traveling, they're location independent, they have their laptops with them, they're pretty tech savvy. So it seemed like the medium would work well. This is actually one of the reasons why I decided against basketball players, because by and large, I would probably have to go to a local gym, I would have to likely show up like before, you know, early morning or late night when we could get practices and those kind of things in. And frankly, it just wasn't conducive to the schedule that I wanted for myself, you know. Whereas I thought, you know, entrepreneurs are more likely to be able to work or work or meet during the day if, if I need that. And then this is kind of a bonus tip, and I know that some of you guys struggle with this, which is you may have a separate business and a separate brand, and you're sort of trying to figure out how to integrate it into a private practice. And the point I just thought a lot about was, can I amplify what I'm doing and have learned with selling the couch? And can I make a natural leap into a certain population? So with selling the couch, we talk a lot about private practice building. We also talk about things like business and leadership and marketing and the entrepreneurial mindset. And it just, that made a lot more sense for me to be able to use this platform to work with entrepreneurs over basketball players. Truth be told, I actually thought about long and hard, actually, about creating a whole separate podcast, but I didn't want to add more on my plate. Podcasting takes definitely time and energy, and I just felt like if I create a second podcast, it was going to take away from my loved ones, and I just didn't want to do that. So I hope this has been helpful in helping you find a niche. I'm looking forward to the conversations we'll have on this topic. I wrote down some notes for you guys. You can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one, two, six. And as we wrap up, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the folks over at Brighter Vision for supporting this month's podcast. I know that many of us have a lot of anxiety about creating a private practice website, right? And Brighter Vision, their whole idea is that, you know, we shouldn't have anxiety, right? It's a big milestone for us as clinicians to have private practice website. I like to think of the website as the modern day business card. And Brighter Vision is this company that's trusted by thousands of our colleagues. Um, they help make that process of creating a private practice website and maintaining that website a lot easier. It takes away the overwhelm and the time that it takes and all the expenses that go into websites. So if you're not a tech nerd and or you're just at this point where you're like, I don't have the time to dedicate to my private practice website, I encourage you to check out Brighter Vision. They are, just have a really good reputation in our field and uh, you can learn more about the services they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Brighter Vision and that gives you the first month absolutely free off your Brighter Vision subscription. Have a great rest of your day and uh, look forward to continuing this conversation. Again, I don't have this whole niching aspect figured out, but I hope that it motivates you. I think my biggest thing is I realized I had worked so hard to build selling the couch and I just wanted private practice to be a natural leap off that. And then I wanted to do a variety of things, both from a just interest and perspective, but also just from a financial perspective. And I hope that this sort of new way of thinking about it has been helpful. I believe that 
for me, I feel like the world of private practice is evolving, right? So you can definitely build a practice in the therapy room. But I think seeing ourselves as entrepreneurs and expanding that space and the definition of what it means to be a private practitioner, right? So from coaching and consulting and counseling to teaching, to creating content from courses and talks and all of those things. So I hope this has been helpful for you. Have a great rest of your day. And again, show notes are at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one, two, six. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.